Let's just have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your love, for your mercy and your grace, your great compassion that you have for each and every one of us. Lord, there is nothing that any one of us is going through that you don't know and you don't understand. And you provide a way for us. Lord, you give us choices and you give us opportunities and you lay out a a course for our life. But you also gave us a free will, Lord. And I pray that we would not exercise our veto power, but we would turn it over to you, that we would submit to you, Lord, that in everything you would be glorified. Amen. During the time of Jeremiah... The people of Israel were taken captive by Nebuchadnezzar, a pagan king. He carried them off to Babylon. And this is what the Lord said about it. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those that I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into, exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams that you encourage them to have. They are, prophet, they, are pro, they are prophesying lies to you in my name, and I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promises to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord's. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. There's so many things in these few passages that I think a lot of times we overlook. First of all, like I said in the beginning, we we say Nebuchadnezzar took the Israelites captive. And yet God says, I, the Lord your God, carried you into exile. God puts us in places. We may not understand why. It may be because of other actions in our lives. But God leads us to a place that he wants us to be. but it's for a season. He says further on in his words that when 70 years are complete, that indicates a length of time, a lifetime. But then he's going to bring us back to another place. There are seasons in our lives, and sometimes they last, you know, maybe days, weeks, months, years. Maybe they will be a lifetime. 
But it's God that plants us in places that his purposes might be fulfilled. We don't always understand it. But the word says that we are to call upon him and ask for wisdom. And he will give it to us. He tells us that while we're there, while we're in that place, we should lead a normal life. He tells them to, you know, build houses, settle down, plant gardens, do the normal activities of life, no matter where you're at. Be doing. Don't just sit around waiting for God to come and rescue you. Be doing things. Be active. He's not telling us to hide in a cave or sit under the shade of a tree. He's telling us to be active, to be doing, to go on with life. He tells us to pray in these scriptures. And he tells us to have discernment. You know, he, he, he says here in, in verse 8 that don't let the prophets and the diviners among you deceive you. Don't listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. You know, last Sunday, Jim McCracken was here and he talked about truth. And he talked about how sometimes we mingle on truth with it. And we destroy the, the power that is in the truth of the word. And we're all guilty of it. I know myself. Am. You know, you seek some godly counsel... And it isn't exactly what you want to hear. It's not comfortable. It doesn't quite answer your questions the way you thought they should be answered. And so you go seek some other. And sometimes we go keep seeking counsel until we hear exactly what we want to hear. Be very careful of that. Because it could be false prophets who are telling you what you want to hear. You know, the enemy knows. When you, when you go around confessing things, the enemy knows, too, what you're, what you're looking for. And the enemy will come as an angel of light. He will come to deceive. So pray for discernment. Pray for wisdom and pray for understanding. One of the songs we sang was, Open the Eyes of My Heart. That should be every one of our prayers. That God would speak directly to us and we would know his voice. We would hear him and we'd have understanding. That's his desire. Because it says in here that he, he desires for us to prosper and not to harm us. He wants to give us a hope and a future. And he tells us how to find him. He says, seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. From the very most inner being. Don't seek him for emotional things. We talked about that in Sunday school this morning. God gave us emotions. They're important. We need to understand them. We need to know how to react to them. But seek for God to speak to you deep inside so that you know it's the voice of God. And we'll be able to find him in every situation. And I looked up what situation means. That, that word just kind of struck me as I was writing down some notes. And Situation is defined as our circumstances, our states of affair, can also be our location and our surroundings. So in every aspect of our life, we're to seek God. 
He desires to be found by us. I laid out this scripture and described these things because what I want to do now is I want to tell you about my life's journey. And I trust that it will relate to a lot of people here and I hope it encourages people. And we'll get back to this future and hope that God has promised us. You know, I grew up just south of town, went to a little country church called Zion. We had Bible reading in our home. My parents were were good people. Um, We had our devotions. I was told at an early age that it's important to have Jesus in your heart. But I also had church doctrine that basically said you're, you're saved in baptism. And I really didn't, you know, connect the two, didn't think a whole lot about it until I was about 13 years of age. And I'll tell you this, there used to be Billy Graham crusades on TV on the weekend. I don't know if they were Saturday nights or Sunday nights. But I know as a family we'd sit and watch them. Um, there was always a time for decision. Well, one weekend... My parents took my sister and I to a Billy Graham film in Worthington. And as it came to a conclusion, I decided it was time I made a decision. And I went forward and I said, I want Jesus to live in my heart. I want to serve him. So I filled out the paperwork and went home with a little Bible study. My parents did discourage me. Um, We talked a little bit about it, but what we talked about wasn't really memorable one way or the other. But it was also during this time I was going through confirmation in our church. A few weeks later, our pastor said to me, I understand you had an emotional experience a few weeks ago. I said, yes, I did. He said, oh, you'll get over it. You know, and we, we chuckle about that and we laugh about it. And I look back and I think, oh, my. What did he say to me? At a time when I needed a mentor, at a time when I needed someone to show me the depth of the scriptures, that's what I got. And so... I learned enough from my Bible study from the Billy Graham ministries that I should share my faith. I should tell someone else about what's happened. I didn't really know how to do it. I tried in school. And I kind of was, yeah, okay, whatever. That wasn't encouraging. And so over a little time, I did kind of get over it. And life went on as usual. You know, in in school, I wasn't bullied, but I I didn't have a lot of friends. I was kind of a loner. I was shy, very timid, and fearful of being rejected. So when I graduated from high school, I thought, well, this would be a good opportunity. I can start a new life. I went down to Jackson to Votech School to be a plumber. 
And I got down there and, you know what? I'm away from home. I can party. Nobody's going to know it now. So that's kind of where things started going. But in the process of not a lot to do in a small town of Jackson either, just, you know, high school football game on Friday nights. So a bunch of us guys went there, and I met Karen at a game. And a week or so later, I asked her out on a date, and we started going together. And as time went on, I thought, I really like this girl. One night I told a couple of my roommates, you know, I really think this is the gal that I'm going to marry. And they laughed at me. And they said, what a fool. You know, you've got a lot of time to find somebody to settle down with. So rejection kicks in again and a little tough with my roommates. And we dated quite a bit because she was staying with her grandparents because her folks were actually out of the country for an extended period. And when they came home, the first night I met her dad, it did not go well. And again, I suffered rejection. But I was determined that I wasn't going to let that stop our relationship. Some more time went on and I got up the courage and I told her that I loved her. And she ran as fast and as far as she could. <laughs> and we were done. It was all over with. Another case of rejection. <laughs> and then to top it off, she started dating one of my classmates. The guy I sat right next to. And you talk about rubbing salt in a wound. There were several months that were just very, very miserable. And life goes on, you know, and you go on with things. And I always thought this guy Fred was a real jerk. <laughs> and uh, a little later on, I'm going to bring Fred up again and something that happened in his life, in our lives. Well, it wasn't too long until Fred dumped Karen and I thought, good enough. She got what she deserved. <laughs> I got out of school, went off to Winthrop, started working. Didn't know anybody there. Didn't really try to get to know anybody there. Just really... Just kind of survived. Farmer that I had worked for when I was going to vocational school wanted to know if I wanted to come back and work as his hired man. I said, yeah, I'll do that. At least there's some people in Jackson I know. Got a few friends there from school that are still in the area. Moved back there and moved in with a couple guys that were in two-year classes. And <clears throat> thought, this is good. I can, I can live with being a hired man all my life. I like this. I like farming. Saturday nights, you know, gas was cheap back then. You drove around. You spent most of the night just driving up and down Main Street. One night, there's a car starts following me. I go, I wonder who that is. Finally got close enough, and I realized it was Karen. And I thought, there's no way I'm stopping for her. 
Been hurt once before, it ain't going to happen again. Well, finally, before the night was done, we did stop and talked. And I don't know if it was a week later or a couple weeks later, finally decided that playing hard to get wasn't my style, and I said, okay, we give it this a go again. But during that time, I had an experience at the, it was actually prior to that, late summer at the county fair in Jackson. Heard, heard some music, so some of my friends and I, we went into the grandstand. It was free entertainment. It was the Lundstrom's. So we went in the far corner and we listened to you know, them sing, play their guitars, listen to the music. Thought we'd get out of there when the preaching started. But didn't get out of there soon enough. I swear to this day that Lowell Lindstrom picked me out of the crowd, stared me down. And he said, you know, you have a miserable life. You know who Jesus is, but you don't live for him. You can't even have fun when you party with your friends because you know what you're doing is not what you're supposed to be doing. You need to make a decision. Who are you going to serve? Are you going to serve God or are you going to serve man? I got out of there as fast as I could. It scared the dickens out of me. Well, like I say, Karen and I got back together. <clears throat> Same time during that time, there was a preacher at the Presbyterian Church in Jackson who I got to know. His name was Henry Fawcett. He was an Eskimo from Alaska who had gotten saved in an Anchorage street down kind of on Skid Row. He was a drunken fisherman is what he was until he came to know the Lord. He had a born-again experience. He went on to go to college and seminary and become a preacher. And he preached the born-again message. And he encouraged me. And he shared life's experiences with me. And it was really powerful and it was helpful. And I began to, to, to start to walk down that path of serving God. But I still was scared. I still was missing something. I just wasn't all connecting. And I remember about that time one night... I told Karen we were standing on the bridge over the Des Moines River in Jackson. And I said, I think God has called me to be a preacher. And I think her mouth about hit the floor. And I said, but I can't be. I don't have any money to go to college. I don't want to go to seminary. So I don't know how I can fulfill what God's telling me. So instead of trying to figure that out, I backed away. I was scared. I also found out during that time that Karen had given her life to the Lord about the same time that I had at a Billy Graham film. Could have been the same film that was showing in Jackson. I also found out that we had spent probably three years, summers together at Chittack Lutheran Bible Camp, but I'd never met her. 
But I knew a lot of other people from Jackson when I got down there from the Bible camp days. But God had a plan for us to put us together. God had a plan to take me into exile and put me in Jackson so I could be there to meet Karen, so I could be there to talk to Henry Fawcett. During that time, a roommate of mine came to know Jesus. And for a time, Virgil and myself and Henry Fawcett would get together for Bible studies. And it began to stir things up again. Then I moved away, went back into plumbing, moved away from Jackson, so I could be closer to a town where Karen was going to college. Lest my mentors were behind, I kind of just kind of stumbled and wandered around aimless with my Christian walk. Karen and I eventually got married. We bought a house, a nice acreage, way beyond our means. We started a business. A former co-worker and I left our boss. We had determined that any fool or idiot could run a business, and so we went out to prove that theory right. Um, we failed at it. I went back to work for my former employer. He welcomed me back with open arms, gave me a pay raise, gave me a new pickup, and gave me a crew of guys to supervise. Little did I know that God was in the midst of that. He was orchestrating those things, those circumstances. Well, at the time of that partnership failing, also were some years that some of you guys remember where interest rates every month went up. And by the time we could no longer make our mortgage payments and we could barely pay the interest, and we were at close to 18% on our house. I thought, oh, mercy, how are we going to ever get out of this? We're going to go into bankruptcy. We're going to lose everything. You know, we've got one child. We've got the second one on the way. And going into business for myself didn't work. We can't, we can't meet our obligations. And I remember that last winter we lived there. We literally lived on potato soup and homemade bread because that's all we had. We were too proud to beg too proud to ask, afraid that if we did ask for help, it would show us that we were failures, that if we asked family members for help, it was just going to you know, prove them right that we you know, still didn't know what we were doing. Never thought of going to our local church. Of course, we were pretty irregular at attending it. But I did watch a TV show on Sunday mornings because I was too hungover to go to church, and that was the PTL Club. And I heard about how God worked in people's lives and answered prayers. And it stirred something inside of me again. Did I respond to it? Not like I should have. I kept on just trudging along the way we were. Finally, we put our house up for sale thought hopefully we'll get enough to pay the bank off. We did. A neighbor bought it. Because of the economic times we were in, he had family members moving back home and needed a house for him. 
He paid us a fair price. We were able to pay the bank off and have a little bit of money in our pocket to start over again. But because it was so tough and it was in the wintertime, we were burning wood to heat the house. Had fuel oil heat and the barrel was dry. And occasionally I'd go five, five gallons of heater fuel. And at that time, I think it was 20 cents a gallon and I couldn't afford it, you know. And when he looked at the house, he noticed that that fuel gauge was on empty. And he said, would you be offended if I called the co-op and had him come out and fill that barrel up? He says, you know, it'd be a shame if you guys are gone for the weekend before I take possession and the pipes froze up. He said, I'd be money ahead if I put fuel in there for you. God provided for us. And we didn't acknowledge God. We didn't thank him for it. The big glass window out of the front storm door fell out and bounced down three concrete steps. It did not break. We picked it up and put it back in the door. Did we thank God for it? No. We said, wow, that was really cool. So now we've sold this house. We've got two children. And I've determined that I can't work for someone else for the rest of my life. We need to start all over again. Where can I go? So just like God taking the Israelites back to their home after the 70 years in exile... God led us back here, where I grew up. We had enough money for a down payment, but we couldn't find anything to buy. And so we decided to build a house, and it took us a year and a half to build it. And it's the house that Chris and Elizabeth live in. And we started all over again. Started working out of my pickup and out of my garage. One of the first jobs I had was to do some air piping for Bob out at his body shop. They were involved in a Bible study. The Saturday night Bible study that eventually became this church. We heard a little bit about it. But, um, well, I wasn't sure that that's really kind of what I wanted to do. If I really wanted to go there, they, they, they're kind of different. I mean, a lot of them would say, praise the Lord, and hallelujah. I just wasn't comfortable with it. That was fine to watch it on TV, but in real life, I don't know. Evan Johnson gave us some tapes to listen to. And we would listen to them. During the same time, we were into motorcycling and had sidecar. And we would go to sidecar rallies just to kind of escape the area and escape the pressures of every day, the cares of the world. And we met some people out in Wisconsin, a guy named Woody and a family, uh, couple named Bruce and Luann. And we'd party with them on the weekends that we'd go out there. A CMA evangelist showed up at one of these rallies and he was sharing the salvation message. 
Bruce, Woody, and myself were heading down to the liquor store. And Woody says, if, they, if that guy over there says anything to him, you just tell him, I'm saved, I know Jesus. He says, we don't need to go through a hassle with him. The guy's an idiot. He went on and kind of railed against him. And I said, why are you, what do you got against him? Ah, he's trying to shove his religion down everybody's throat. I said, hey, he's got a right to. He's sharing what he believes. I said, man, I'm a Christian. That stopped them dead in their tracks. They looked at me and they said, you're what? I said, well, you know, I'm active in my church. I'd gone, we'd rejoined our little country church and I was on the board and I taught Sunday school. And, you know, so they just kind of looked at me like, you got to be kidding. Got me to thinking. So we come back to this thing and Bob shares a few things and Evan invites us to a camp out. I said, no, not interested. But he's given us these tapes, and we're listening to them, and I'd usually fall asleep listening to them. And one night, Karen's listening to these tapes, and she wakes me up, and she says, Glenn, what just happened? I said, I don't know. I, I was sleeping. You're awake. I don't know if it happened to you. You should know. Oh, what happened? I said, I don't know. Go back to sleep. A few days later, we were having our little community Bible study. So to justify not going to this Bible study in town, we started a little Bible study out south of town with a few people from Road and a few people from Zion. We didn't get into any depth of anything. It was more, you know, let's get together and have coffee and cake. And it was a little, it was snowy out. It was not the nicest afternoon. And so I called everybody and canceled the Bible study. And then I said to Karen, we're going to Slayton tonight. She said, we're going to do what? I said, we're going to the Assemblies of God Church in Slayton tonight. I said, they got this Lutheran pastor from Minneapolis, St. Paul, who claims to be a charismatic Lutheran. Karen said, what's that? I said, oh, PTL. Praise the Lord, hallelujah. Raise your hands and speak in tongues. And I got it pretty well nailed, don't I? Anyway, I said, it's a contradiction in terms. He can't be Lutheran and he can't be charismatic. <laughs> I want to go see this. We got down there. And I was intrigued with his message. Something was happening inside of me. He got to the point where there was an altar call and he said, if you've never accepted Jesus... Now's the time to come forward. Ask Jesus into your life. And there was people that got up and came forward. And he said, and I, and I knew I had Jesus in my heart, but I knew I wasn't living for him. And he said, and for those of you that need to rededicate your life, now's the time. Come forward. And I knew I had to get up and go, and it was as if I was tied to the pew. And I could not, could not get up. And then the third altar call, he said, for those that desire the baptism of the Holy Spirit, come up here now. And I knew I needed that. I knew that was what was missing to give me understanding, to give me strength and power 
to teach me what I wasn't getting. And I couldn't get up. Until I opened my mouth, I turned to Karen and I said, I'm going forward. It was like I shot out of a cannon and I was up front. I got up front and my first thought was, oh, Karen, why aren't you up here with me? Where are you? You need this too. And then Herb said, all of you that have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the past, I want you up behind these people praying for them. And what did I hear in my ear? I heard Karen's voice. What had happened a few nights before was she had rededicated her life to the Lord. She had prayed for the Holy Spirit and received it. And that night we received our prayer language. I don't know if we even slept when we got home. We were so excited. It was such a change. And now I was ready to join the Bible study in town. Oh, what a change in our lives. You know, like I said, I, I was a little bit familiar with this because of PTL. But I'm going to back up in time a little bit. Back to my junior year in high school. Last week, Jim McCracken was here. And for a number of years, he's been our apostolic oversight. But there's a connection to people in this church that goes even further back than that. Back in 69, a new church was started. And Denny, if I'm in error on any of these dates or people, you feel free to correct me. But Church on the Hill was founded. Brian Miller, a young man that had grown up here in Ballotin, was his first pastor. Jim McCracken was not a college student in Marshall but he knew college students that were in Marshall. And he was invited down to help start that church. I heard the rumors about that church. They were crazy. They did some bizarre things. And you know how the rumor mill is. It's exaggerated. It gets, gets blown way out of proportion. A little bit of truth is mixed with a lot of untruth. Well, during that time, the only thing to do on a Saturday night in Ballotin was go to the roller rink. It's the funeral home now. But at that time, it was, it was quite the place. You know, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday afternoons, you went roller skating. And uh, <clears throat> one night in the fall of 69, my senior year, a couple guys walked in there. And they didn't rent skates. They sat down in the back and they would talk to people as they went by and I was one of those people that they invited me to sit down and visit with them. And they were from Church on a Hill and they shared with me about Jesus. I said, I, I know Jesus, I've accepted him. And then they asked me if I was walking out that salvation, if it was real in my life. And they shared with me end times. They shared with me over a series of weekends. They shared with me about the rapture. They shared with me about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. 
So I went home and I shared it with my folks. I was told, don't go anywhere near that, those people and don't go anywhere near that church. Do you know they go to the grocery store and they buy vegetable oil, buy the gallon jugs and they pour it on each other. And they roll around in the aisles. You know, they're a cult. Don't go there. I said, well, what about the, what about the baptism of the Holy Spirit? No, there's only one baptism. What about, what about speaking in tongues? No, that was for the disciples and the apostles. That's all gone. What about the rapture? No, that's not in the Bible. You need to go talk to pastor. So I went and talked to our pastor at our little country church. Now that, you know, they told, he told me the same things. And I said, but what, what about the rapture? What about being carried away, but taken up when the trumpet sounds? In the blink of an eye, we're gone. That's, that's when you die. You have a personal judgment day. That's it. So now I'm confused again. It doesn't, all of this, God is planting seeds, but all of it isn't coming together. But it finally, it finally came together. Now I begin to understand what God's plan and purpose is for us. That he saw us through times of troubles and tribulation. He never left me. I left him, but he never left me. And I want to encourage you with this, that he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He's always there. It says in verse 14 of 29, I will be found by you to declare, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. He will take us from that place that he's carried us to to get our attention. He will take us from that place to where he truly desires that we would be in relationship with him, in relationship with our brothers and sisters in Christ around us. That's what God wants for our lives. He wants us to have the freedom that we sang about this morning. He wants the eyes of our heart to be open so that we can see the reality of who Christ is and how he desires to work in our lives. Last week, Ann Bob shared a little thing at the end of... Uh, is that slide still up there of Minnesota Cuke? Or did I get... Anyway, last, last weekend, Bob shared in Adult Sunday School about this little packet of seeds, cucumber seeds that Cindy Nelson had found. And they were so excited they were found. And she planted them in the ground. And then she said, Grow, little cukes, grow! God has found us. If you know Jesus as Savior, he has found us. And he's taken us off the shelf. He's taken us out of our little packet. And he wants to plant us so that we can grow. God has everything we need for growth. And he desires for us to grow up to be what he envisioned us to be. And you look at that example and you say, oh, a simple little cucumber, you know. What can a cucumber do? Well, cucumbers can be cut up raw and put in salads. Put some Miracle Whip and some onions together and it makes a great salad. Put it on your lettuce and tomatoes and onions. What it does is it complements all those other things. 
that are in that salad. Cucumbers can be made into pickles. One of the processes of making pickles is you put them in a pressure cooker and you put them under a lot of heat and a lot of pressure. Sometimes God allows us to be put under a lot of heat and a lot of pressure so that we can be what he desires for us to be. And they come out as great pickles. There's little ones are made into baby dills and little sweet pickles and bread and butter pickles and refrigerator pickles. Everyone's a little different, but they're all cucumbers. And they all complement something else, whether it be your hamburger or your salad. We're all little cukes. Basically, we're the same. We're flesh and blood. But each one has a different purpose. Man, you know, at the state fair, you can get huge pickles on a stick. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what we look like on the outside. And you know, when I was a kid, when those pickles got too big to be useful, I used to go out to the garden, take them, take my pocket knife and cut them open, carve them out, and make boats and sail them in the stock tank. <laughs> they were entertaining, especially when the cows came and ate them. I had to go back to the garden and make another boat. But God has a purpose for each and every one of us. He's designed us to be who we are. And he wants us to fulfill our destiny. You know, before we leave today, if there's anyone here that doesn't know Jesus as Savior, today is the day. Today is the day to ask him into your life. And if you do know Jesus and you know you're not walking with him, you're not where you should be, today's the day to ask him. Come back into my life, Lord. I want to I open up and allow you to operate in me. And if you haven't experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit, today's the day. Today's the day to ask for it, to believe in your heart. Because he will give us the desires of our heart. He wants to change us. He wants to bring us to that point where, as it said, I have plans for you, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And I would close with that. God gives us hope. And he gives each and every one of us a future, no matter where we're at. He will not leave us. He will not forsake us. Do you have a closing song or no? Or... You ready for a little bit more praise and worship? Let's, you know, during this time that they lead us in a closing song, Again, I want to make this invitation that the altar is open and we will pray with anyone that comes up. Whether it's for salvation, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, rededicating your life to the Lord, healing, whatever the needs are in your life, this is another opportunity to allow God 
to work in us. Time to get the blood full, flowing again. So you got to stand up and give me a little grace to get my guitar and everything hooked up here. Come set your rule and reign in our hearts again. Increase in us, we pray. Unveil why we're made. Come set our hearts ablaze with hope like wildfire in our very souls. Holy Spirit, come here. Let the darkness fear. Show your mighty hand. Heal our streets and land. Set your church on fire. Win this nation back. Early on, I said I was going to get back and tell you about Fred, something that happened with him. <laughs> halfway through the song, it all occurred to me. I forgot to tell about it. Left him kind of hanging out there. He lives over in Red Wing. He has a large mechanical firm. He was doing some work in Marshall at the corn plant a number of years ago. And he shows up out at our shop. And he asked us to pray with him. He had come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. His wife was not receptive at the time to it. And he came to us and said, how do I reach her? How, how do I handle this situation? And he asked us to pray with him. And this is the same guy that stole my girlfriend <laughs> and also laughed at me when I tried to witness to him back then. So... God works out things. Amen. You're dismissed. Amen. Amen.